Hi, and welcome to the Homeschool Snapshots podcast. I'm Pam Barnhill, your host, and this is the podcast that gives you a peek into the lives of the homeschoolers next door. Hi, everyone, and welcome to episode 28 of the podcast. I'm so glad you're joining me here today. And hey, if this is your very first time listening to the podcast, I want to send a special welcome out to you. Every podcast, I get to interview wonderful homeschool moms, and we chat all about how they do homeschool, what their worries and fears are, and what their great successes are too. They're fun conversations for me, and I think you're going to like them as well. Well, today I am getting to chat with Dorinda Wilson, and we're going to have a good time talking about unhurried homeschooling, because that's the name of her new book, The Unhurried Homeschooler, a simple, mercifully short book on homeschooling. I think you're going to enjoy our conversation today as we talk about how to take it slow and not be anxious about taking it slow. So you guys sit back and enjoy the program. Dorinda Wilson is a wife, mother of eight, grandmother, speaker, and author. In addition to writing on her own blog, Simple Nourishing Home, she also writes for The Busy Mom and contributes to Hip Homeschool Moms. Dorinda has a refreshing message for women. She has coined the term the unhurried homeschooler to describe an approach to teaching and learning characterized by a slower pace and letting go of unreasonable expectations, pressures, and comparisons that tend to plague us on this homeschooling journey. Her upcoming book, The Unhurried Homeschooler, is a short, manageable read just right for busy moms all about this very topic. Dorinda, welcome to the program. Oh, thanks, Pam. It's great to be here. Well, let's get started with you telling me just a little bit about your family. Well, I'm married to Daryl, and we have been married for 26 years. We have eight children, ages 24 down to 11. Our oldest two are girls. They're 20, almost 25 and 23. And they each have one little person, little baby. Um, They're married and they have our oldest daughter has one little boy and our second daughter has a little girl. And then we have a son who is 21 and he's in his fifth year of college graduating this year. Yay. We have an 18 and 17 year old boys and they're both graduating from high school this year. And then a 15-year-old boy and a 13-year-old girl and an 11-year-old boy. So (laughs) nice wide range of ages there. Yes, definitely. And I bet the grandkids are a lot of fun. Oh, they're just, I I didn't realize how much fun they would be. You know, everybody says, oh, grandparenting is the greatest, but oh my goodness, it's better than I ever imagined. (laughs) That's awesome. (laughs) Well, tell me a little bit about how you guys got started homeschooling. Well, for me, I... Grew up in public school, actually had a very good public school experience. But when I was in my teens, I was at a, I think I was at a yard sale or something. And I picked up a book on homeschooling and started to kind of just peruse it and look through it and thought, boy, this sounds interesting. And then I ended up meeting a family, which was rare back there in the 80s, you know, to find a family that was homeschooling. And I loved their kids. They were funny, they were engaging, they just seemed so well-rounded. And I just thought, wow, if this is, you know, the results of homeschooling, then I really want to give this a try. So I kind of had that on my heart before Daryl and I ever got married. 
And when I met Daryl and we talked about kids and homeschooling, he was completely on board, thankfully. (laughs) So we went ahead and just decided from the beginning that we would go ahead and homeschool. And so that's what we've, we've been doing for over 20 years. Oh, wow. And so all of your kids were completely homeschooled all the way through. Yes. Wow. That's awesome. Well, your homeschool day is most like which literary classic? Would it be A, The Odyssey, B, Little Women, C, Swiss Family Robinson, or D, Lord of the Flies? I'd probably say Swiss Family Robinson would, as a whole, describe our homeschooling because of the fact that we have five boys. (laughs) There's a lot of swinging from the trees and fort building and things like that that has happened over the years. So yes, I would say Swiss Family Robinson. That's a good one. (laughs) Well, as you're thinking back on when you started homeschooling, and you can't remember the name of the book that you picked up, can you? The homeschooling book? Actually, I can. It was by Raymond and Dorothy Moore. I believe it was either Better Late Than Early, one of their books. I think it might have been Better Late Than Early. I think that's what it's called. And it's just uh, the whole idea was just to not push our kids into Mm -hmm. book work too soon and a lot of good reasoning behind it that made a lot of sense to me. And so that was kind of a, those were kind of early seeds that were planted in my heart and just kind of you know, were there when I started homeschooling and I sort of drew from that information. And um, that's kind of how I ended up doing a, I guess you would call it a more unhurried homeschooling approach. Right. Yeah. It's funny because a lot of women, a kind of of our generation, cite that book as one of the ones that got them started. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Well, thinking back when you first started homeschooling, and I don't know, did were there a lot of other homeschoolers around you or was, were you kind of striking out into uncharted territory here? There were actually quite a few families that were doing it. And as we, as our kids got a little bit older and maybe not, you know, super young, but maybe into the more, a little further into the elementary years, we connected with some other families that were homeschooling. And that was really helpful. There's just something so encouraging when you have uh, some sort of support for what you're trying to do. Right. Well, what was the best piece of advice that you received as a new homeschooling mom? Well, I don't think I received it real early on, but it was fairly early on. And it was from a, a woman who I considered a sort of a Titus II mom to me. In fact, she's the mother of the first homeschoolers that I ever met. And what she said to me was in a sort of tongue in cheek, but she said, if you keep your children home, and never crack open a book, and you just keep them out of the public school, you will have done them a favor. (laughs) (laughs) Which I thought was very interesting. So on my worst homeschooling days, I sort of, I just fell back on that and just took a deep breath and, you know, would regroup and try, you know, try again the next day. (laughs) Right, right. Because you were opening the books, but you knew that even on those bad days. Yes. And there are days that that happens when you have every intention of getting to those books or they barely get cracked open and something somebody throws up or you know something happens <laughs> along the way where you realize this is not going to happen today and just i think it mostly just gave me permission to let go and let yeah. the days be what they were instead of trying to force something that wasn't meant to be that day. Yeah. Well, what advice do you wish you had received? I think maybe just to always remember that it's okay to simplify. And when I start to feel that I'm just overwhelmed to stop sooner rather than waiting so long, there are times that I, 
I kept pressing forward and I would end up, you know, just upset and it just never goes well. You know, when mama's not happy, nobody's happy. Mm-hmm. It kind of, it sets the tone in our home and it, it would set a tone of stress and it was really unnecessary, but my type A personality just wanted to, wanted to try to conquer and be productive and make, and just get as much done as I could that day. And there's times, there are times that I push that too far and I shouldn't have. Well, now that you've gotten older and you've realized this, that that's not the way you should go. What is your backup plan when kind of everything goes out the window and your homeschool plans for the day fall through? Do you have one? I do. I think probably what I do mostly is that I'll look at the clock. You know, if it's 1130 and there are probably other things going on in the afternoon and I can see that this just is not going to happen. And it's like 1130 in the morning, just giving an example. And I realize there's no way that we're actually going to accomplish anything. I just start fresh with the thought in mind, okay, it's 1130 and we're just going to take where we're at right now and move forward. So let's fix lunch and have a nice lunch together and mm-hmm. regroup and just plan for the rest of the day rather than try to make up for lost time, if that makes sense. Yeah. Instead of trying to cram a bunch of things in. Right. right. Yeah. Well, what are your three favorite tools in your homeschool toolbox? Well, I think, you know, there's always the the favorite curriculums that I tend to fall back on like five in a row, which I love for especially in the winter when we can just, we're a little bit slower and there's more time to sit and read. I love Jane's choices of books for the younger kids, just to be able to sit with them and, and just have that snuggle time on the couch or, you know, just that time together, enjoying a good book and probably reading out loud. Actually to my older kids, I really have enjoyed that aspect of them getting older and being able to think through logically, you know, keep up with something that's a little more complex that we can have really good conversations over and discuss things, whether it's current events or whatever it is we've read about that day. So that's another favorite. And then probably as far as how we approach our day, I really try to pay attention to red flags that I see going up when we're maybe hitting to the point where we're getting overwhelmed or we're trying to do too much or even the opposite. We haven't done enough. We need to do more. Just kind of keeping a good pulse on what's going on in our home. I guess that would, you could call that a a tool that I use regularly. Yeah. Just being aware of, yeah, it's kind of like when you have a toddler and they start having a meltdown and you kind of tick, you know, tick through the list or even a newborn, you tick through the list and you hit, are they hungry? Are they wet? Are they, you know, do they need a nap? So Mm -hmm. I like Mm -hmm. that idea of kind of ticking through the list of things in your head as those red flags come up in your homeschool day. Right. Yeah. Sometimes, you know, uh, there'll be a couple kids who keep who kind of bickering and fighting and arguing. And sometimes that's, uh, you know, a cause for sitting down and talking about conflict resolution and how to work through these things. Sometimes it's they need more on their plate to do. They need to go physically go do something or they, mm-hmm. especially with the boys. Oh, my goodness. They need to get out and be physical. You know, we've u- utilized our trampoline a lot with five boys. and. Just sometimes even I'll have our 11-year-old just run around the house 10 times, you know, (laughs) just to get some energy out. Because I find that a lot of many times when there's conflict, there's just redirection that needs to happen. Yeah. It's not always the problem that's happening on the surface. Sometimes there's other stuff. Yeah. Going on underneath. Right. So that's where using that tool of just keeping a good pulse on where everybody is 
throughout the day is so helpful. And that's probably kind of hard to do with eight kids. So let's talk about that for a minute. You know, and you're homeschooling. It sounds like you're homeschooling five of them right now. So what is it like tracking five kids at one time and just a few years ago, tracking eight kids at one time? (laughs) Well, I think we've always had a pretty good routine and good order to our day. And sometimes probably the biggest thing is not me not becoming distracted by other things because I tend to, I'm very visual. So, you know, I'll see something that needs to be done and I'll start doing it and then I'll forget, you know, oh, wait a minute, so-and-so hasn't done their math yet or whatever. So I think we've, we had, we had a groove, I guess you could say. And, and it was really a discipline for me to stay engaged with what everybody was doing and just a regular check-in with everyone. Are you, you know, are you finished with this, 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 and this? And I have to say, we have taught our kids to be independent learners as early as possible for that very reason. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because, you know, quite frankly, it, it can be overwhelming a lot if I'm having to drive them through all of their schoolwork. And so we really encourage the kids to become independent as early as possible. And that was really helpful. So now, as far as our days look very different than when we had eight younger children at home, I've got three high schoolers and they're very independent and they're working on their schoolwork. They know what they need to do every day and they pretty much do it. And so that's a huge blessing. That's that payoff for investing earlier in, you know, encouraging them to be independent. And then even our 13 year old is quite independent. She's in eighth grade. And then our 11 year old who has actually has some learning issues that none of our other kids had, which has been a whole new challenge for me. I stay with him and stay engaged with what he's doing because I have to (laughs) Mm -hmm. in order to keep him going. He's been very different than the other kids. So that's been challenging. Well, can you give me a couple of practical tidbits on how one might teach their children to be independent a little earlier? Not that I'm asking that question for myself or anything at all. Right. (laughs) Theoretically speaking. Yes. um, (laughs) Well, I think one of the one of the best things I've done is early on, you know, thir- when they're starting to read and they can read their the directions in their workbook. They can read the directions to me and tell me what those directions are asking them to do because that is a huge part of them being able to do it on their own is to be able to read those directions, interpret what they're asking for and then give it to them. So that's one of the first things I work on when they are reading and ready to really dive into more workbook type stuff. So working, I'm working on reading those directions and understanding what it's asking them to do. Exactly. Yeah. And attempting it before they just, at, before they ask me, you know, if they start asking me questions immediately, my, I'm always answering them with the question, well, what do you think they need? <laughs> right. So <laughs> habit training, habit training of yeah. making the attempt before we carry it over to mom. And Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Okay. That sounds good. Now, do they work from a checklist or anything? No, they have a really great, I think we start out the year. I I can say we start the year out with a type of checklist. And once they've gotten in the, you know, the discipline of it after, you know, summer break and all of that, they seem to really do a good job of sticking with it. So they kind of figure out what the rhythm is and just continue right. with that through the year. Right. And, and that doesn't mean that I don't check in with them and say, you know, and be sure that that's actually happening. But for the most part, they pretty much do it well on their own. Well, that's great. 
Well, can you tell me how the concept of the unhurried homeschooler, which is the name of your upcoming book, how that became personally significant to you? Is this something that has always been your philosophy or has it developed over time? I think originally, because I had such, I had a really great childhood. I, I feel like I was allowed to be a kid, but also slowly took on more and more responsibility as I got older, you know, just kind of in a very natural way. So that seemed to come fairly easily for me. But as far as the homeschooling goes, because I wasn't homeschooled and I didn't really have a pattern to follow as far as that went, I kind of grew in that. I had to let go of some preconceived ideas that my child had to be reading by five, you know, and after reading Raymond and Dorothy Moore's things and some of their concepts and the reasons that they believed and had seen it successfully work with many, many children, I thought, you know, I think I can let this go and let's just see where this goes. And so the first few kids felt kind of like an experiment. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and of course, that's true on so many levels. You know, you're, you're in fairly new to the parenting thing. And I tell our oldest, you know, I'm sorry for the things that we may have messed up because <laughs> you were an experiment. <laughs> She was very graciously forgiving. But as I saw, you know, as we got into child number, you know, three, four, and five, and I could see that if I just was relaxed, a little more relaxed about things, they automatically, their curiosity just gets the best of them. And they see their older sibling reading and they, they, well, I want to read too, you know, and I've actually found them wanting to read sooner than our older kids because they saw the older kids reading and they wanted to be able to do it. So to answer your question, there was a part that came natural and that kind of I started out with, but that actually had to grow over the years as we got it, especially as we got into the older grades, deciding, you know, how unhurried do we want to be and how much do I want to make sure that they're, you know, doing what they need to to do. So it was definitely a growing experience. So is there a tension there between trying to create a transcript and this kind of unhurried approach? You know, there can be, I've kind of, I think now that we've been doing it for a while, I have a better feel for it. There's some areas I'm willing to say, you know, you've done enough in this area because it's not maybe an area of interest for them and it's a real struggle for them. And I'm talking about a high schooler here Mm -hmm. here, to fill out the transcript. There's some things that I know, you know, I just want to have experienced this. I'm not going to make you do this to the nth degree, but I want you to experience this. And so maybe you have a child who, like, for instance, I'll give you an example, our college age son, he did not like reading at all. And so I was sort of at a loss because I'm thinking, okay, he needs to read, you know? Well, it turns out that once he got the kind of books that he enjoyed, which happened to be programming books, (laughs) he flew through the books. I could not believe how many books he read. And all of that, because when kids read, it helps them be a better writer. It helps their vocabulary, their spelling, you know, all these other things, all of those things that he was kind of lagging in started to improve. So I wasn't insisting that he read classical novel in high school that maybe would have been required reading in a normal public school setting. I tried to challenge him a little bit in some of his repertoire of reading, but really let him pretty much pursue what was interesting to him. And it has paid off. (laughs) Right, right. Because he found 
what it was and so many boys especially that nonfiction, yes. whatever yes. kind of nonfiction it is for him it happened to be programming books and you know for your nine-year-old it might be animal encyclopedias or something like that exactly yeah so the transcript i think is it's great to have because i think it's super helpful it's been very helpful when we go to the community college and we want to get them going there but i don't think it needs to be intimidating i think we should have the freedom to kind of adjust things a little bit according to our children, but also allow, challenge them a little bit to try some new things. Does that make sense? It does. Now, have all of your high schoolers who've graduated so far taken the community college route? No, we've only had one. Our two girls graduated and worked for a while, and then they very quickly met their spouses. So that went very fast. The both girls were married within five months of each other. So but our third, who our son, he did what's called running start. And, and not every state has that, but basically he could start college at 16 as a junior in high school. And his credits that he would earn at college applied toward high school as well. Yeah. A lot of so, states have a, a dual enrollment, I think. Yeah, yeah. I guess that's what you would call it. Um, but here it's called running start. And so he did that. And then after, so he earned his AA and his high school diploma at the same time. And then he went, he's gone three more years because that's what it took to get the bachelor's degree that he needed, which was for computer science. So he did community college first, and then he went to university for three years. Right. And so what about your two boys who are at home? Have they done something similar? They have not. The 18-year-old and they're 18 and 17. And they're both, one for sure is going to the community college next year. He wanted to just go through high school and then start community college because his, what he's going for is a two-year program. So it didn't require as much schooling as our other mm-hmm. sons. He felt like he didn't need to get a jump start on it. And he just preferred to do it this way. So we, we said, okay. And our 18 year old, he's still kind of like not real sure what he wants to do, but we've got him signed up for financial aid. Should he decide he wants to take classes in the fall? Yeah. I had a great community college experience. I think it's a wonderful way. It really to- is not have to maybe jump through quite so many hoops. I think depending on your state, I know the state I was in, once you had your associate's degree from the community college, then you were guaranteed entry into any state university. So in some states, it can be a really great way to kind of get your feet in the door at a university through that route, I guess. Yeah. And it was a great experience for our son, Jake. He definitely benefited from that. Yeah. Well, why is your message of slowing down kind of a crucial one for today's families? Well, I think we all can see between the media and just all the technology that's going on. It just feels like things are just accelerating at warp speed. And I think it can be so easy to become distracted and hurry a lot, you know, just rushing from thing to thing to thing. And my concern is just that parents are struggling with engaging with their kids. And I think disengaged parents are really, it's not a good thing when parents are not engaged with their kids and what's going on with them and where they're at and just having that kind of heart level relationship with them. And we miss that when we're hurrying. And it can be tempting because I think the reason being in a hurry can be so tempting is that we just, we want to be productive and we're trying to keep up. And I feel like, you know, for us, God has constantly told me to slow down 
his message to me has constantly been, okay, take a breath and let's just slow down and, you know, just pray through things and think through things and, and not allow myself to be driven. One of my friends described it as, you know, whether we're driven or whether we're led. And those are two very different things. And you even get a feel for what that feels like just listening to those words, you know? So in our homeschooling, I want to be led, led by the Lord and not driven by anxiety, fear. I think fear is a big one that can really get a hold of us as parents, homeschooling parents that, you know, we're afraid we're, we're not doing enough for our kids. And so to, to try to make up for that, we, you know, we rush them here and rush them there and try to do all these things that maybe really don't need to be doing. So for the homeschool mom who's spending four or five hours of her day actually homeschooling her children, you know, I'm sitting here and part of me is going, I'm connected to these kids. (laughs) But do you see, though, that even among homeschooling families, that there's this kind of disconnect between the parent and the children? I think there is not as much of that with homeschooling families. I do think it's possible. And you know, homeschooling families are so vast and varied. And so I would hate to generalize, but I think that as I'm looking at and talking to some of the younger moms who are just starting homeschooling, they want what's best for their kids, but they are terrified that they're not going to give them enough, that they're not going to be enough to be able to, you know, do this for the long haul and really do a good job with their kids. And I think that's the heart of the what I've written in the book, Unhurried Homeschooler, is it's a balance of challenging our kids enough, but also remembering as moms that to give ourselves a break, you know, to homeschooling our kids is a huge job. But I think what we need to be careful of is not to miss out on enjoying our kids while we have them at home. You know, we, those years are so fleeting. And if we're spending that sort of in a whirling dervish, I think we're going to regret that. And so my hope and prayer in in this book is just to encourage the moms to homeschool in a way that's a good fit for their family that brings peace, not chaos into their life and that their school revolves around home, not home around school. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, I could see if like your entire relationship with your children is caught up in this anxiety. Mm-hmm. about homeschooling, then, yes. you know, you definitely have an imbalance in the relationship. Exactly. And if you want to raise lifelong learners, then learning needs to be mostly enjoyable, you know? So as we're learning together as a family, sometimes, you know, sometimes our kids are learning independently and sometimes we're learning together, but that for the most part, it's something that's, that we're enjoying, you know? And when our kids see us enjoying learning, we set that example as uh, parents of what lifelong learners look like. My kids have watched me study things like herbs and how to make tinctures and, you know, all kinds of kind of natural sort of things that I'm just interested in naturally. And so they've watched me pursue those things. And so I guess um, one of the things that I share in the book is that moms don't forget your hobbies, you know, things that you naturally enjoy, don't give all of those up because you're homeschooling and only do what the kids want to do. Bring them into some of the hobbies that you enjoy and let them, I think what happens when we do that is we we give them a fuller education because they get this exposure to maybe things they wouldn't have pursued, but they've watched you or they've participated with you. And now they've got more of an understanding of 
you know, another subject. Right. And even if they have very little interest in the subjects, they've seen modeled for them exactly how a grown-up would learn something. Exactly. And when you show that excitement and then then they see that and then the things that they're interested in, they become excited about and we become excited with them for the things that they're learning. So there's just a kind of a, it can be very, I guess the word organic, you know, mm-hmm. in fact that it all just works together pretty naturally if we will just relax and just not try to put too many unnecessary pressures on ourselves. Right. Well, speaking of pressure, are you ready for a pop quiz? Sure. Okay, here goes. Coffee or tea? Coffee. A little bit country or a little bit rock and roll? Rock and roll. Well-trained mind or unschoolers anonymous? Probably lean towards unschoolers. (laughs) (laughs) Early bird or night owl? Probably a night owl. Craft or read aloud? Read aloud. Lap book or workbook? Ooh, workbook. Co-op or stay home? Oh, probably stay home. (laughs) Bed made or unmade? Definitely made. Bookmark or dog ear? Uh, Dog ear. Sonnet or haiku? A sonnet. Well, Dorinda, thank you so much for being with us today. And tell us where we're going to be able to find that book and where we can find you online. You can find the book on Amazon. You'll be able to order an ebook or you can also order a printed version of it if you'd like. And you can find me online at simplenourishinghome.com. Well, thanks so much for being with me here today. Thank you, Pam. And there you have it. Now, if you would like links to any of the books or resources that Dorinda and I chatted about today, including Dorinda's own book, The Unhurried Homeschooler, you can find those in the show notes for this episode. Those are at edsnapshots.com forward slash 28. We'll have everything together for you there. Also, that is a great place to leave a comment either for myself or Dorinda. We love to get those, read those, and respond to them. And if you are one of the people who have taken the time to leave a review on iTunes for the Homeschool Snapshots podcast, I just want to say thank you so very much. Doing so really lets iTunes know that this is the kind of podcast they need to share with more people. So thank you very much. If you would like to leave a rating or review and you're not quite sure how to do that, you can learn how to do that in the show notes as well. We've got a quick little tutorial for you there. So edsnapshots.com forward slash 28. And I just want to thank you guys so much for listening to the podcast. We love all of your comments and emails that you send in. We'll be back in another couple of weeks with another great podcast. Until then, keep on homeschooling.